We are in a, a series about passages in the Bible that should make us pause and say, what? And I've given this particular version of this series, because it's the fourth time we've done it, a spiritual warfare edition, because it's about the unseen. Last week I talked about the reality of the spiritual realm, angels and demons. And I talked about our response to it, what our response shouldn't be to it, and what our response should be. And this week I want to talk to you about one of the most powerful weapons in your arsenal for spiritual warfare and some practical ways to, to, uh, to wield it. Sounds powerful, doesn't it? Yes, let's do it. Because here's the warning though, like everything in Jesus' kingdom, it's not what you expect. Because this powerful weapon is not heavy to carry and it doesn't exhaust you. It's very difficult to remember and it's easy to abandon, but it, ex it is extraordinarily powerful and simple to use. So let's talk about it. I want, you to, I want to read a passage with you that shouldn't have me pausing and saying, what? But every time I read it, it does. Turn to Luke chapter 5. We're going to read just two verses here. It's in the YouVersion app. You can go to more and then events and follow along. This stuff is loaded up there for you. Of course, if you're in the house and uh, off campus, you can, it'll be on the screen for you as well. Two simple verses in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, says this. Yet the news about him, Jesus, spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It's that verse 16 that always has me pausing. And in fact, this is not the only time scripture records something similar to this. We read several times in the Gospels that Luke's summary statement here in verse 16 is true. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus does this seemingly to prepare for a major task. In Mark chapter 6, he does it to recharge after some very hard work. In Matthew 14, he comes away to pray to work through grief after he finds out John the Baptist has been beheaded. In Luke 6, um, he comes away to pray before he makes an important decision. In Luke 22, he does this in a time of great distress. And in John 6, he does it to step away from others' expectations of him. It's not a one-time event. It's a very simple passage, Luke 5, 16. But here's what has me saying, what? When I read it, it's this. Why did Jesus need to do this? He was fully man, but also fully God. He knew his mission. He was only on earth for a limited time. When he started his public ministry, the, the time was going to be increasingly short, about three years from when he started his public ministry to when he was crucified. There were so many people who needed to see him, to meet him, to be touched by him, to hear his teaching. And from a marketing standpoint, he had some momentum building in his career and ministry. Everything was poised perfectly to exponentially increase his platform. And isn't that what everyone seems to be searching for right now? But Luke 5 intentionally shows a very different response from Jesus. When things got like that, he withdrew. What? And here's the thing that is... I got so, like I, got so, I yelled so loud, Frank, that I made my mic just quit for a minute and take a breather. Uh, here's the thing that is even more striking. It seems to me that this scripture sets, uh, sets it up to show that Jesus didn't only withdraw to pray in spite of the pressures he was facing, 
but it infers that Jesus also did it because of the pressures he was facing. So in other words, like he wasn't only reacting to pressure, he was proactively preparing for pressure that he knew would come. And Jesus knew pressure. They wanted him to be the king. They wanted him to overthrow the Romans, to speak truth to power, to put the religious leaders in their place. People wanted them to heal them, to feed them, to teach them, but just but not to make it too hard also, that was clear. Meanwhile, Jesus had a very different revolution in mind and he was ushering in a kingdom that they couldn't understand. He was hated and plotted against and misunderstood and betrayed and denied. How did he stay sinless and in the will of God under that kind of pressure? But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. William Barclay says it like this, from this time on, speaking of this Luke 5 passage, there was to be no rest for him. Always he was to be under the scrutiny of hostile and critical eyes. The opposition had crystallized and there was but one end. Jesus knew this and before he met the opposition, he withdrew to pray. The love in the eyes of God compensated him for the hostility in people's eyes. God's approval nerved him to meet human criticism. He drew strength for the battle of life from the peace of God. And it is enough for his disciples that they should be as their Lord. The verb tense in Luke 5, uh, when it says that he withdrew, it, it literally means withdrawing. Like it has a continuous action in it. it that's, the, that's the intent of that verb. That he was continuously withdrawn. This was not a one-time event, but this was happening consistently. And that he went to a lonely place. Uh, it's translated differently in different passages because it, it doesn't quite do the same thing in English as it does um, in the Greek, but it really means like a largely uninhabited region, um, it, sort of like a desert or a wilderness, uh, a lonely place. Literally, literally, it means a waterless place. So that's where we get the idea of wilderness or desert. And so it could be, we know that Jesus went into the desert at some points, uh, but when, it, when he withdrew to a lonely place, it could be literally a physical desert, but also a metaphorical desert where everything was sort of um, in his life was quiet. Everything was, was set aside and there was no distractions in his environment. That's what it means by lonely place. The Holman New Testament commentary says it like this, popularity drove Jesus to prayer, not just once, but often. The son of God had to hear the father's voice and determine where the father was at work. Jesus did not follow the rule of demand and supply. Had he done so, he would have stayed in one place his entire ministry. People, always people came to him. Jesus went where prayer led, not where people led. God knew where power was needed to be revealed. The revealing son went where his power source directed. Mobs of people were willing to be healed. Jesus had to find where healing led to kingdom growth. I know that I couldn't have done that. And Jesus, in his humanity, knew he couldn't either, not without withdrawing to pray. And I just need to sit with that for a minute. How much of my life is a reaction to the things happening around me? 
How much of my life is responding to the pressure of the day and trying to just keep up with what's going on around me? Where in my life do I find this kind of retreat to hear the voice of God and to see the love in his eyes and to get his approval over my life? Pastor Aaron is going to speak more specifically about prayer next week. But the weapon that we have been given for spiritual warfare that I mentioned at the beginning, sorry, I lied just a little bit, but just you'll get this. It's not really a weapon at all. It's actually a stronghold. Still part of the warfare kind of metaphor here, but it's a stronghold. I'm not talking about like the kind of strongholds that need to be torn down in our lives, the ones that have set themselves up against the knowledge of God and the thoughts that are not aligned with Christ that we read about in 2 Corinthians 10. That will preach all on its own. We're not talking about when we talk about those kinds of strongholds. I'm talking about the stronghold that we run into. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people you save me. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Listen, when you run to him, retreat to him, seek his presence, seek his voice, you position yourself for whatever comes next in the battle. You don't know what tomorrow brings. We're told not to even worry about it because we don't know. I don't care what kind of plans you made. You don't really know what tomorrow brings. But when you run to the shelter of the stronghold, when you run into the protection and refuge of your God, you are in a place of rest and safety and you will be ready for the battle. And in fact, may I suggest that you won't even be fighting that battle anyway because God will fight the battle for you when you rest and trust in him. He is your fortress and your stronghold. Jesus not only modeled this, but he also taught it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said in Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will, will reward you. You hear that, that language in there, retreat, retreat into this place. This is about withdrawing to a place with just him, not posturing in front of anyone else and proving how religious you are. That's the context here not proving anything to anyone else about what your spiritual life is or isn't, but instead shutting yourself in to seek the presence of God and only that. And if we give this stronghold a name, you could call it maybe a lot of things, you can think about it in a lot of ways, but for our purposes this morning, I wanna give it a very specific name. And I wanna name it what Christ followers have been calling it for hundreds of years, so we'll be in good company. And that stronghold, I believe, is called silence and solitude. That coming away, that withdrawing, and that careful listening for the voice of God. 
In Isaiah 45, the, the prophet is giving a message to a foreign emperor, Cyrus. But like so many of the Old Testament prophecies, and I just tell you that for context, when you read it, you'll see that's the context, but there's so many Old Testament prophecies there, that there, there is words in there for us as well, and I believe this is one of them, and I love this one, Isaiah 45, 3, says, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Hidden treasures stored in secret places. Uh, we were singing this song a couple of weeks ago. I was saying about uh, the last song I wrote. Maybe time to write a new song. I don't know. It's been a long time. But uh, I wrote the song, and I was like 80% done when I was singing that. If you've been here for a while, we sing the song, I Come uh, With My Hands Held High to the One Who Redeems My Life With His Love. And uh, I was about 80% done with the song, and I brought it to my cousin Joey, who is a super great musician. And I said, I just... I don't know where else to go with this song. Could you help me finish it? And so he sent me back a recording and he had added a second chorus and he used this scripture. And I like his chorus way better than mine every time. I don't know if that's just, I, I just love it. And so the second chorus of the song says, um, Lord, I come to the secret place for treasures in darkness laid for me. You call me by name and I come. Colossians 1 tells us that the glorious riches of, the mis of this mystery have been kept hidden for ages and generations, but they have now been made known to us. And the mystery is this, that Christ is in us and he's the hope of glory. And in the secret place, that safe place of the stronghold, that's where Christ is shown to us where we can see him face to face. Proverbs 3.32 says, For the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. The King James says it like this, that his secret is with the righteous. So we're hearing from Scripture, from all over Scripture, that there is a place that you can go, that you can withdraw into the presence of God, and in that place, he will reveal the things that you need to know. He will share his heart with you, that he will literally take you into his confidence and tell you things in the Spirit. That's incredible. And it's all over scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, and absolutely modeled in the life of Christ. There are treasures of wisdom, of grace, of mercy, of healing. So much, there's so much in that secret place. Jesus knew it, and he continually went and hid himself there. But this is the trouble. I don't know about you, but when we get to this part in the message, we all just go, yeah. That sounds great. I'm going to run to the stronghold. Here's the trouble, though, friends. Everything is so noisy. Everything is so noisy. And you know what's not an exception to that? My mind is probably the noisiest place of all. My heart is even noisy, if that can even be a thing. There are just things going on all the time. And we are so accustomed to noise. It doesn't even phase us most of the time. In fact, when you find yourself in a quiet moment, our most natural reaction is to feel very, very restless. When it gets very quiet. But here's the thing. God does not ordinarily shout to make himself heard. By his grace, sometimes he does. <laughs> sometimes he needs to, and he knows. 
But ordinarily, to hear the voice of God, he's not shouting above the noise. He's the still, small voice. Have you heard that? The still, small voice. He's the one you have to listen for, but as his sheep, you also recognize his voice when you hear it, Scripture says. When you hear it, you immediately know that you are in the place of rest and peace. There's this really beautiful scripture in First Kings where Elijah and God are having this interaction. And it says this in First Kings 19. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then here it is. Then a great and powerful wind tore, I know I didn't add that part to the slide, that's on me. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. The presence of the Lord, not in the noise, not in the chaos, but in the gentle whisper. Mother Teresa said, we need to find God and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is a friend of silence. The more we receive in silent prayer, the more we can give in our active life. We need silence to be able to touch souls. The essential thing is not what we say, but what God says to us and through us. Gordon McDonald says it like this, when my private world is in order, it will be because I am unafraid to be alone and quiet before Christ. And I just don't know who could possibly model this ordered private world better than Jesus. So we ask ourselves as we look at the fact that over and over again, Jesus withdrew to lonely places to pray. What would it take for us to practice silence and solitude? What would it mean for us to do that? I read this, this quote says this from Wayne Oates, silence is not native to my world. If you and I ever have silence in our noisy hearts, we are going to have to grow it. We are going to have to grow it. When was the last time somebody came up to you on a busy day? <laughs> you know what? Kids are a lot of chaos. Let's just use them as an example. <laughs> Not my kids, other people's kids, of course. Yeah, they're always just, like, even when they were little, they were just so calm all the time. So you're running around, it's Saturday, and you're trying to get from here to there to everywhere. Everyone's asking you for something, and, and you're trying to manage all the expectations. And, and then one of your kids walks up to you and says, Mom, Dad, I don't need a thing from you today. I think what I want you to do is just go and spend time with the Lord. <laughs> That's laughable. That's laughable. How about, the, how about somebody um, at work, you get, an, you get an email, and somebody's like, Hey, I know we had a meeting at one o'clock, but I've decided I want to cancel that meeting so you can have some time to just think and rest and pray. <laughs> Hilarious. 
That's hilarious. No, of course not. Of course, that's, no one is going to do this work for you. <laughs> no one can do this for you. Because I promise no one else could do this for Jesus either. Everybody wanted something from him. And, and rightly so. He had so much to give. But he had to cultivate and grow this in his own world. If you're ever going to have silence in your noisy heart, you are going to have to grow it. And so let me tell you how I've been learning to do this over the past couple of years. I have lots to learn in this area. I, I have lots to learn, but I have done some work in this, and I, um, it has changed my life. It has literally changed my life. The first thing that you need to do if you want to practice this, this uh, spiritual discipline, this spiritual warfare of silence and solitude, and I do say warfare because it will not come easily to you, but the power that you will find there is extraordinarily important. The first thing that you have to do is you have to cultivate desire. We were already doing this this morning. Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs Pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Is that the desire of your heart? Is that the desire of your heart? And if you grew up in the church, I'm super duper sorry about how you're singing that song in your head right now, but you can just, you can just listen to it all the way through at some other point. Some of you who didn't grow up in church are like, what? It's like, it's a good, it's a good song. I told somebody that I didn't have any songs randomly, old songs written into my sermon this morning. And I was like, is it even a sermon if I don't sing an old song randomly? Maybe I'll do one later. You have to cultivate desire. Because if you don't recognize your need for God, your need for retreat, your need for silence and solitude, your need to hear the voice of God, you will never make this a priority in your life. And so what I mean by cultivate desire is to really take stock of your life and your heart and ask yourself, am I satisfied with where I am? When was the last time I really knew that God was speaking to me? When was the last time I felt like in my everyday walking around normal, ordinary life that I really knew that God was using me or speaking through me? When was the last time that I felt like, like, I, like I knew that God was walking alongside me, I could sense his presence? Because what I read in scripture is that that's something that can happen more often than it doesn't. But what I know from my own life is that I have to cultivate a desire to be in that space. I, I have to search for it. I have to long for it. And what I have found is that when I do, God is so faithful to meet me. But he's not going to force his way into my schedule. All of this free will is because he loves me so much. And yeah, he calls me. But I have to listen for his voice and answer his call. So what does it mean for you to cultivate the desire to be in the presence of God? Honestly, I don't, I don't exactly know what it is for each one. I'll tell you what it was for me. I was so tired of being tired. I was just so tired of feeling like I had to meet all these expectations. And then I started to realize that God never asked me to do those things. <laughs> that Jesus never gave me more to do in my day than I could actually get done. That was me. So I realized I needed something beyond just 
what I thought was wise and useful and efficient in my time. I needed to know what God had, the good works planned in advance for me to do, scripture says. I wanted to know what those things were. And I got so tired of my own agenda. Admittedly, I, I, I work on this every single day. Like, I pray like this every day. Lord, teach me to want what you want for today more than what I think I should be doing today. Every day, that surrender. I don't know if that's where you are, but I just had to take stock of, of, of where I was and what was in my life and decide that I just, that's not who I was created to be. And I wanted to hear from him. The second thing you've got to cultivate is you have to cultivate grace. You have to cultivate grace. Because if you start to journey into this and, and you're like, oh, yeah, I want to practice silence. I want to practice listening for the voice of God. You know what's going to happen? You are going to sit down and be like, yep, this is it. Okay, I don't even have a chair, but let's just pretend I do. You're going to be like, okay, Lord, I am quiet. You know, like, the, no, 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 no. I'm going to be quiet. Jesus, help me to be quiet. Oh, I forgot I was going to pick up tortellini for that soup I was going to make later today. And then, oh, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, and, and on and on it goes. I mean, think, I don't know. Like, that's maybe, a, maybe that was a, a very stereotypically uh, mom-wife thing to do, thinking about what I had to make for dinner. But, like, I don't know, whatever that is for you. My mind starts to race. My mind starts to race with all of the things that I should be doing, all the things I forgot. And so I say cultivate grace because you know who gets mad about you and having a distracted mind? Nobody. Jesus is so glad you're there. He'll work with you in that space, but you need to give yourself enough grace to stay there. So what I do in my, when I'm in, in, in a quiet space and my mind starts to wander, if it's something I need to get done, I just write it down and then I can set it aside. Then I come back to the moment. I heard somebody say once, if your mind is wandering when you're trying to be, you know, really be listening for the Lord, maybe he's leading your thinking somewhere because there's someone he wants you to pray for. Just be mindful of the things where your mind is wandering and that it's not helpful for you. Just come back to where you were. Cultivating grace that the first 15 minutes that you sit there, the first five minutes, the first 30 minutes, when I do a day of silence and solitude, like sometimes I do a whole day of it, it sometimes takes me three hours to quiet my mind. And you know what I've decided? I'm so glad I'm in this space for hour four. Just give myself grace to get there. And allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. Cultivate grace for the journey and teaching yourself this spiritual discipline. It's okay if it's not perfect every time. The third thing I would say is to cultivate rhythm. Luke, again, 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The King James says it like this, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. You like that? He withdrew himself. <laughs> I think we could all use a little bit of that in our lives. I'm sorry, I'm going to withdraw myself. Thank you very much from what's going on right now. This is a healthier place for me. You have to cultivate a rhythm of it. And what I mean by that is that there have to be specific times and places that you have decided that you're going to practice this rhythm. Because if you don't, it won't happen. That's just, that's just, facts. And if you are the kind of person that it does just randomly happen, that you just find yourself in a place of silence and solitude, I would love for you to write a book. I will read it and I will learn from it. But I find that for most people, you have to decide 
that you are going to do this, where it's going to be, when it's going to be. And of course, as you cultivate these things, this desire and this grace and this rhythm, that it becomes easier and easier and easier and something else happens. You go back to number one and the desire of your heart is to be in the presence of God more than you've understood before. Like we were praying this morning, you're like, listen to me pray about wanting more of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, man, I'm nowhere close to that. This is how you get to that space. This is how you get to that space. You cultivate that rhythm in your life where it's like every day, and then maybe it's every week. I'll tell you, I do some very, very practical things in my life, and I'm gonna encourage you actually in these moments, I'm gonna ask you in just a minute to share if you have something in your life that you do to cultivate this, because I would love to hear it, because like I said about the body of Christ, we help one, one another, and we sharpen one another. But one of the things that I do to cultivate silence in my life is that I walk my dog once or twice a day, depending on if Rob's working, uh, traveling for work or not. And um, when I walk my dog, I listen to nothing. Like, do you know how many podcasts are exist in the world? So many interesting stories to listen to. Audiobooks. I love music, as you probably know. There are many, many things to do. There are many, many things that I could put in my AirPods and listen to, and I just choose silence. You know what happens to me in the 30 minutes that I walk my dog? My brain goes everywhere. Everywhere. And I allow that space for my mind to, be, to, get, to, to get to quiet again. To get to quiet again. Sometimes if it's at the end of the day, it's a beautiful time to pray. But often it's me cultivating just like the, the, the discipline of being quiet with no input, just with no input and then allowing the Lord to shape my thoughts. That's a really practical one for me because I always want to listen to something. <laughs> There's so many things to listen to. <laughs> So whatever that rhythm is for you, I've, I've been like, somebody said, but I'm, I'm listening to my Bible. I love that for you. But also, are you ever silent? Are you ever silent? I will do my, I'll do my Bible reading after my 30 minutes of talking, of, of walking in silence. Does anybody want to walk a dog, by the way? Because I'm, I'm offering that option to you at any time. You come and walk my dog and be silent if you want. That's fine. It might give me a little break. But you have to cultivate these rhythms in your life. I know that it's difficult. If you're working full time, maybe you're raising kids or you've got just different pressures in your life. I don't know what that looks like. I have the great, uh, I can literally say, today is a day of silence and solitude. I'll put it in my calendar and nobody gives me flack for that. It's like, it's kind of like, oh good, we love that our pastor's doing that, thank you. I know that I have a, a different blessing in my life to be able to do that, but I'll tell you, it is still extraordinarily difficult to do. It's extraordinarily difficult to put in my calendar. And do you know what happens when I take a day away like that? Nothing blows up. Like everything doesn't go off the rails when I'm not here. <laughs> right? And in fact, I come away having spent time in the presence of God. You can do that in two minutes. You can do that in five. You can do that in a half a day. You can do it a day. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is to cultivate rhythms in your life where you are consistently seeking God. And so if we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus in this way, we cultivate desire. Do I even want more of God? And if not, start from there and ask the Lord to fill you with that desire again, to light that fire again. Cultivate grace where you just let yourself learn to walk in this discipline. 
giving yourself grace as you learn day by day what this means and putting into your life the rhythms that make this possible for you. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, do you want to help me? You, eldest child, please. <laughs> Could you help me? She's like, if you're asking me to speak into the microphone, the answer is no. But if, you're just going to be a runner for me. Thanks, bud. Um, I just wanted to give an opportunity as I'm talking. Are there things that you do in your life to cultivate silence and solitude, this quieting of the mind and being in the presence of God that have really helped you? Just, I want to hear a few of them. And off campus, you can share them uh, with Joel and Caitlin. And Joel and Caitlin are in the room somewhere. Oh, there are. So if there's one from off campus, then you can just throw your hand up and maybe you could share it that way too. We'd love to hear from you off campus this morning as well. Um, is there something that you do? I told you about my 30 minutes of silence in the morning that is so beneficial to me. Is there anything else that uh, you want to share? I have found that, um, that uh, taking time in the evening and just sitting in front of the fish tank and starting with uh, just listing things I'm grateful for mm. helps to quiet my mind and then bring me into a place where I can start just being quiet. Oh, I love that. Just sitting still and looking at the fish tank. I really want a fish tank now, Matt. <laughs> that's actually a great idea because like it's, like it's a very peaceful, yeah, that's great. What's that? <laughs> or if, yeah, okay, thank you, Dave, for that practical insight. For those of us who do not have an aquarium, you could probably go on Netflix and find the aquarium channel or something and just put it on your TV. I actually, that probably is a thing. If the fireplace is a thing, that's probably a thing. I love that, though, because it forces you to sit still and listen. Yeah, that's beautiful. In the evenings, in the evenings, quieting your mind. Anything else that's been practical, some practical help? She's running to you. I um, get up in the morning and I will read my Bible and I'll pick a scripture. Just think about it and look out the window. And just think about it. And just think about it. What do you mean by this? <laughs> yeah, meditating on the word. Yes. So it's like part of something that you, something you pulled out of your Bible reading from that morning and then just stop and just let your mind settle on it for a little while. That's beautiful. So practical. I like the staring out the window thing too. There's just something about that, like that fixed, like quieting your, your whole physical body while you do it. Anyone else? Susan? I drive in silence to and from work for the most part. And I also park like a 10 minute walk from what, the building that I work in and I've never put in a request to move closer because I just like the 10 minute walk to and from my car, <laughs> even when it's cold, yeah. just to have that silence. That's great. Yeah, driving in silence, that's not easy to do either. Maybe it would make us all a little bit nicer on the road too. I mean, <laughs> if you have a Jesus fish on your car, I hope you drive accordingly. But like, yeah, you're right. Like there is, there's so much to listen to. Like I was saying about my walk and you can listen to podcasts. Like there's nothing wrong with those things. You understand my heart. But if it's always something and there's never a moment of silence, where do your thoughts go? When can God even break in to your day, right? That's, that's a great idea. Parking 10 minutes away. That's a, I mean, in a Canadian winter, like that's a sacrifice. So I respect it. I respect it. Yeah, that's great. Anybody else have one to share? A practical way. I guess I could have turned on a mic. Um, 
exactly like driving in silence, it's also maybe the timing of when you consume materials, like media and such. You know, mm -hmm. we start our morning, and the morning radio is all doom and gloom about what happened. If you set that time aside and maybe leave it till later in the day, you know, it's a little more palatable, and you're not kind of thinking about mm -hmm. it all day long. Yeah, not to start your day with those messages, but starting your day with the Lord, with, with quiet, yeah. There's nothing wrong with doing your devotional time at night, but the reason so many people do it in the morning is I think for the, is this for this reason, it sets your day up like that, right? Come up here. I love, could you just go a little faster? Oh, go to no. <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> I'm gonna give her an ice cream or something after church, don't worry, she'll be okay, it'll be okay. Yeah. I think um, different seasons of life brings different rhythms yes. to, <clears throat> to how you're able to invest that time. And just an encouragement to young moms, nap time was that time for me um, when the kids were really little. So I had a lot of little ones, and getting up in that morning, like that was a really difficult time to do devotions and have that quiet time. So actually the afternoon nap time, it was like the first half an hour when hopefully, fingers crossed, everyone <laughs> went down. <laughs> I used that as my quiet time, and then I went for a nap afterwards. So not only did I have my Jesus time, quiet prayer time, but I also had some rest, mm -hmm. like physical rest. And then by the time the kids got up, I was pretty peaceful. So mm -hmm. like that was a really good rhythm yeah. when we were able to get the kids in a, in a good routine. So that helped me a lot in that season. Yeah, that's great. That's such a, a really great point, Nicole, too. So that every that's, that's the grace piece, too. Cultivating grace for the season of life that you're in and finding that it's going to look different. It looks very different for me now than when the kids were little, for, sh for sure, for sure. Yeah, go ahead. We have a little bench uh, on a hill at our house, and in the summertime, I'll go out there with a coffee, <clears throat> and then I'll just have a chat with God, you know, mm -hmm. just tell him everything, like he doesn't know what's going on already. But, yeah. <laughs> but after I have the chat, then I have a little prayer, and, like intimate, and uh, it's just kind of a nice time. Nobody can see me up there. I'm kind of hidden, and... It's just kind of cool. Yeah. But are you dedicated enough to do it in the winter, Alfred? <laughs> I could just see you all, I could see you all bundled up doing that. Yeah, I, like I love that. See how simple this is? Like just to find that space and rhythm in your life to come away into the stronghold. Anyone else? Uh, for me, especially in the, the fall and the spring, uh, the Huron Natural Area, not too yes. far away from here, is a really yes. good, really good place to just. Jesus walk. is there. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree. Yes. Yeah. Going up and down the hills and just around the ponds, it's a good place to to walk and and talk with God by yourself. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you connect with God in nature? Yeah. Right. And so, so give yourself grace for that. Find space for that, and don't clog it up with any noise. Do you ever just? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, and Ruthie Vaughn over there as well. Well, you know what? You know what? Our office campus, off-campus friends want to hear you too. Yeah, so. When you talked about the nature and you're on nature, I pass that every Sunday as I go by. And I pray, I hold my hands out and I pray and I say, yes, God is in the nature and I hope you find him this morning. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to say that because it's such a beautiful Is place. that why we're all meeting Jesus there? Because you're praying over it. I sure hope so. Body of Christ at work, everybody. That's great, Lorraine. And back there with Vaughn. You see, yeah. I love that. Yeah, morning, Tracy. I didn't want to, but it's riding me. I have to talk. Yep. Be free, sister. <laughs> so at night... 
like 15 minutes before sleep time. I, the TV's off, the lights are off, and I start to take my quiet time, so talk to God and feel and everything. And sometimes you fall asleep before you even know it because you're so relaxed. Mm. But that 15 minutes, you can hear from him. Yeah. That's when I do mine. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody can find that 15 minutes before sleep. Mm -hmm. You're going to go sleep anyway, so... Yeah. I mean, honestly, and we're going to talk about this on, Jan on February 5th of the Navigating Media, Navigating Everything seminar too, but how many of us um, scroll, are scrolling until the minute that we go to bed? You know, it's probably too many, uh, too many. And even, even science, me medicine, psychology would say that's a terrible idea. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. So let alone spending that time instead, no screens, no sound, but taking that the end of your day and saying, Lord, what did you want to say to me about the day? Right? Beautiful. Yeah. So in all of these things, um, I hope you heard patterns in here, which is it's different for everybody. It's different in, in different seasons. There are, are ways to do this and, and to cultivate these rhythms of grace in your life. But I would just say to you, here would be your action item today. I would want to ask you, to decide what that is for you. And I'm asking myself this too because I have been working on this for the last few years. It has made a massive difference in my life. But I sense that the Lord is saying, that's great, that I love that rhythm. I'm calling you now into something else. I'm calling you to, to something even more specific. And so I'm working on some things in my life uh, like that I'm gonna be more frequent in some specific ways that I do this and be very intentional about it. So it doesn't really matter where you are. It doesn't matter whether you've done this, practiced this for many years or whether um, this is a brand new idea for you. From wherever you are, that's where God wants to meet you and then draw you into his presence deeper and deeper into his presence. We talked this morning about the baptisms of the Holy Spirit. You know how many people I know who have said it was in that secret place, in that stronghold, that refuge, just seeking God that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. As they were just, just seeking God, just seeking God on their own, absolutely um, happens all the time. And also in those places where you cultivate desire for the presence of God, it also allows you to come into this space with the body of Christ and be open to what he might want to do here in these moments of prayer and these moments of devotion as well. So your action item this morning is this. This is your altar call. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to challenge you into how this is going to look, how you're going to cultivate desire and grace and rhythm in your life with this most powerful weapon for spiritual warfare. It really is incredibly powerful when you learn to be in the presence of God and allow him to fight the battle. And I want to invite you that tonight at Deep Roots, it's so beautifully timed this month. Again, coincidence? No. Uh, it's so beautifully timed this month that we are going to have Deep Roots tonight at 6.30. And if you are like, silence, I can't, I can't, I'm restless, I can't do it, I don't, uh, sitting still, uh, can't, can't take it. It's okay, it's okay. Cultivate, number two, grace for yourself. We're gonna practice this together tonight. So we're not gonna sit in silence for 60 minutes, but we are going to maybe sing together and then, then we are gonna just sit quietly. Then we might sing a little bit, then we're gonna sit quietly. We're gonna practice this rhythm together um, and experience it in community. So if you wanna do that, that's what Deep Roots is gonna look like tonight. We're gonna start at 6.30. We'll be done around 7.30 probably. And again, for Fast and Pray Wednesday, that's a great time to cultivate this rhythm 
What does it look like to carve out a specific time and, and fast a specific meal or fast uh, for the day or whatever you're going to do? So I want to invite you to do that. Let's stand together and let's commit that. Invite the Holy Spirit to do it and commit it to the Lord today, together.